Hey everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of 1930, no, until the end of time. Can you imagine if that is where we just ended the series? We went, and eh, never mind, it's not for us anymore, actually. <laughs> James Wilcox, uh, fan of the show, friend of the show, would be, I think, quite upset with that. Um, you know, before we get into anything, I did want to point out that every time we do these little intros, though, now, yeah, I find myself, so obviously, if you're listening to the show from the beginning, right, for the first time, you're hearing the eternal stuff, like, really early on. But right. we did, obviously, pick up episodes for that because it came out after we actually started this series. Uh, the thing is, is that when we did the, like, echoey, like, in the dawn of time, before right. whatever, right, right? That has been my favorite intro we've ever done, and I kind of miss it. And, like, <laughs> it's interesting to think about how it doesn't fit really any other time period, but every time we start these, I think, but what if I bought that back? But anyway, that is neither here nor there. This episode is all about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 2, starting at 19 minutes and 53 seconds and ending at 20 minutes and 53 seconds. We are already essentially at the halfway point of this episode, which is crazy to think about how fast Episode 2 moves scene-wise compared mm -hmm. to Episode 1. Yep. Okay, here is what happens in that scene. We tilt up from the sea of motherboards with classic radio frequency search sound effects playing in the background. Director McKenzie, do you copy? Can you hear me now? Well, he doesn't say, can you hear me now? He just says, can you hear me? But it did make me think of all those Verizon commercials <laughs> back in the day. So I, yeah. I really appreciated that. Uh, Enoch is still attempting to get a clean signal to the train triad. May reappears and states that they're in trouble. Enoch kind of looks at her and then says, where are you going? And she says, I belong in the field. And he's kind of tells her to slow her roll. She's not ready. Certainly not out in her 21st century clothes. May gives the classic line of, I wasn't asking, which I was like, ooh, damn girl, yes. <laughs> Enoch also has a great line in response to that, which is, Agent May, if I may, you have not been yourself as of late. And then after some dialogue back and forth, we can see very clearly that something is not right, uh, but we just sort of move past it very quickly because May continues to just try to leave. Right. She asks for the info one more time, and Enoch says he is not allowed to divulge that information. And then she gives him a look. <laughs> it's one of those things where if looks could kill, Enoch would have been gone. <laughs> now, the thing about this is that obviously we've mentioned this before, which is that we kind of have addressed within the show or in this episode uh, that that Agent May very clearly was in a very bad accident, essentially, that she died and that they brought her back and she's been healing in this pod, this Marvel Cinematic Universe version of a Bacta tank. Uh, right. No diapers, though. Uh, and the big thing about this, though, is that she's not ready to go back out into the field. She she exited this way too soon, right? Right. So I was thinking about this, about how quickly she is actually getting back up on her feet and mm -hmm. how quickly she's trying to get back out into the field. I did so much research, James. Ooh. And what I mean by that is, is I spent a long time 
searching for an answer to the question of when an agent or an officer or whatever in the field gets injured or potentially even experiences a near-death experience, how much time are they essentially obligated to stay out of the field, heal, things like that, go to therapy, go to physical therapy even, go to all sorts of like, you know, what is the process for that? Right. And how long does that take? Yeah. You know what's interesting? That information is not publicly made aware. Interesting. And I think part of that is, I'm assuming part of that is, A, it depends on the case by case. Sure. And also, two, there might just not be any information for it because, like, it's not probably something that you advertise as part of the job. Right. And I think there's also that that movie trope of, like, I have to sign off on you until you get back in the field or whatever. Like, right. And they do it anyway. And they go, right. you're a loose cannon, McCoy, but by yeah. golly, you get at, you know, your answers or whatever. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a common, common thing uh, for yeah. so many people to be, especially like in a hospital and they're like, what are you doing? They're like, get back into bed. They're like, no, I've got to get out of here. And they just like rip needles out of their arms, which I mean, needles freak me out. To begin yep. with. And the fact that people just like yank them out, I'm like, you have got to stop. Like, you're going yeah. to end yourself like doing that and potentially end me. The whole point, though, of course, is that I did some deep dives, searched for quite a while, couldn't find anything on that specifically. Yeah. What I did find, however, was something that could maybe give us just a little bit more context as to sort of what May is experiencing, because mm. I don't think we're ever going to really get into some of it. Mm-hmm. just because some of it is very heavy material. So I yeah. did look up, though, what happens with uh, understanding near-death experiences. Okay. Uh, so I have a whole like a whole article about it, and I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I am going to read just a couple quick selections from it. Uh, okay. So let me just give you at least the introduction here, which is kind of like the premise of the whole thing. Right. Near-death experiences, or NDEs, are profound experiences reported by some people who survive close brushes with death. They are important to clinicians because they often lead to pervasive changes in attitudes and behavior, because they may be confused with psychopathological states, and because they may enhance our understanding of consciousness. Proposed psychological and physiological explanations lack empirical... Lack empirical... Empirical. Yeah, I keep saying it wrong every time. (laughs) lack empirical support and fail to explain NDEs, which pose a challenge to current models of the mind-brain relationship. Hmm. When some people come close to death, they go through a profound experience that may include a sense of leaving the body and entering some other realm or dimension, transcending Hmm. the ordinary confines of time and space. Time is weird. Mm -hmm. Although these events have been identified as a discrete syndrome as early as 1892, It was not until 1975 that someone named Moody introduced the term near-death experiences for this phenomena. Hmm. Moody describes characteristic features commonly reported by survivors, uh, like overwhelming feelings of peace, seeing a tunnel, sensation of being outside of the body, things like that, uh, and then coming back to life with marked changes in attitude with knowledge not acquired through normal perception. So that Hmm. is kind of a very interesting thing to consider. However, this is not what we're seeing with... Uh, with May, what we are seeing is yeah, that that real quick that paragraph. Um, there's a a Buffy arc where she gets brought back to life and she has that. 
right there, mm-hmm. what you described. She's basically mad at the people that brought her back because she's like, it was great. Yeah. I, I was at peace and you brought me back to be a warrior against demons. So like, right. Not great. So, yeah. So, okay. There's, there's two things I want to get into, which is effects of near death experiences. And then also the mental leavings, essentially like what, what can happen to one's brain after. Right. Okay. And that means more about like mentally, not like the actual physicality of your brain or whatever. Right. Or right. maybe it still is. I don't know. That's a thing that I don't fully understand. We're not going to get into where where is the brain and mind and soul like. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Regardless of their cause, NDEs can permanently and dramatically alter the individual experiencer's attitudes, beliefs, and values. A recent review of research into the characteristic changes following NDEs found that most commonly reported to be loss of fear of death, a strengthened belief in life after death, a new sense of purpose or mission, heightened self-esteem, increased compassion and love for others, lessened concern for material gain, recognition, or status, greater desire to serve others, increased ability to express feelings, a greater appreciation of life, and an increased focus on the present. Now, that's the positive effect of this, right? right. However, the negative side of this is that NDE, this is such a weird way that they would do this, NDEers, Right there, hmm. like as hey, an experiencer. Where does music go in yeah. the ears? Oh, James. Uh, so people who are these experiencers sometimes feel right. distress if the NDE conflicts with their previously held beliefs and attitudes. The emphasis in the popular media on the positive benefits inhibits those who are having problems from seeking help. Yeah. Sometimes this also causes people to maybe doubt their sanity. They are often afraid of rejection or ridicule uh, if they discuss their fear with friends or professionals. Mm. So it sometimes kind of causes people to really kind of go inwards. And that's the final thing that I wanted to bring up, which is near-death experiences and mental health. So this causes uh, one of the biggest issues is depersonalization. People who go through these uh, tend to have feelings of strangeness or unreality that mimics a state of death and serves as a sacrifice of a part of the self to avoid actual death. So people mm. come back feeling different and they feel as if a part of them did die and they yeah. feel like they are observing themselves from a functioning self, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, it causes a lot of disassociation. Uh, people have a huge disconnect with their perception, cognition, emotion, and identity from the mainstream of the individual's conscious awareness And of course, basically what this ends up leaving people with is usually some form of PTSD or just straight up depression. Yep. You kind of have a a situation where most people don't come back from these experiences just feeling completely like themselves. Right. In fact, it is almost completely impossible, I think, for anybody to, according to this. It seems as though you have one of two reactions, which is simply... You know, actually, I'm fine. I'm great. This has given me a whole new lease on life. I'm going to spread positivity and joy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I didn't mean to say blah, blah, blah as if to like dismiss them. I just mean like et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Or the people who are more on my side. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Or you end up in a situation where it can just truly, you don't come back from it. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like you lived, but in a way, I mean, not to be kind of morbid, but like in a way, for these folks, it's almost like a at what cost. Yeah, for sure. And that can be extremely difficult. And I'm sure that with those sorts of situations through medication, therapy, things like that, 
you can essentially bounce back from that or at least kind of come to terms with everything. Right. And again, not go back to your normal self, but have a new normal perhaps. Yeah. But uh, those are the things that we're, I think we're seeing right now is almost this disassociation of self. Yeah. I, you know, I think that's really interesting because I had been chalking it up to, yeah, she's not done cooking in the may pod. So she hasn't gotten, you know, she hasn't downloaded personality or inflection and voice, but instead what you've, what you've just shown is that Ming-Na Wen is portraying this deliberately as someone with PTSD or an NDE sort of experience, an ND experience ATM machine. (sighs) Um, But the fact that, that this is sort of, um, you know, Wikipedia psychologist levels of verifiable sort of Mayan man levels of, no, this is accurate. The fact that you and I can verify that what we're seeing on the screen has basis in In psychology is really cool to me. And once again, gives me far more appreciation for Ming-Na Wen because, my God, what a, just a powerhouse. Yep, 100%. Well, James, that's all that I have for this episode. So uh, why don't you hit us up with some TV and then uh, let's uh, head on out. Sure, Colin, this is a um, an interactive TV of 1931, so get ready to play. You ready to okay. play? Yep. Is there All a right. remote control or... Uh, there, there's not. A uh, I'm just going to I... toss you into the deep end. Okay. Ready? This is a TV show called Hints for Swimmers. <laughs> okay. This sounds like a pod cube thing, but okay. <laughs> it, it, here's the deal. I couldn't find anything about this other than it was a very early scheduled program that was 15 minutes long. And so okay. it falls to us to decide what would be on this show. This was when we were going to have, have Mike on for this episode. So, Colin, please give me two hints for swimmers. First tip for swimming is when you go swimming, the ratio of girls to guys needs to be five to one. Okay. Otherwise, there won't be a party like this uh, since 1981. Okay. Interesting. Um, now, this is part of the same tip, but... Uh, you can come to the party and let the games begin uh, because, you know, we're, we, are, we are here to give tips to swimmers. But if you can't swim, we've even got floaties if you can't swim. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, now, so that's one. Right. So that, that's the first thing. So here's the other thing about swimming, right? Uh-huh. Uh, don't eat too much before you swim. Okay. Because you might get a cramp under your chin. Oh, Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's, that's, that's really all my, my tips here. But the the big thing about it is that I love you girl. You know, it's true to have a super party in my swimming pool, jump on in. You'll see just how fun a pool party can be. Um, and also, you know, I think, hang on, do you hear that? I feel like someone's screaming and that's not cool. Who threw that Reggie bar in the pool? (laughs) Ronnie, Sally, Bobby, Mike, it's my pool party. We'll do what we like. Uh, actually here's a, here's a bonus tip. Uh, when you have a pool party, right? Cause you want to swim, you want to have friends over and stuff like that. Make sure that it's for all the cool kids at my school. Got it. Got it. Okay. Or so, at your school, I suppose. Right. Cause I'm, I'm talking to you about my party, right? Sure. But obviously you might not live where I live. So right, exactly. when, when you right. have a pool party, it's for all the cool kids at your school. All right. So one good ratio. Don't get mm-hmm. ratioed. Yep. Number two, don't eat too much. Number three, yep. cool kids. 
Yep, cool kids. Yep, great. absolutely. Great, great, great. I'll also do three if you, if okay. you don't mind. Just yeah, go. We're, yeah, we're, oh, we're making got three. Yeah, we're making up. We're making up for for the two missing from Mike's. We'll have a total of six. Perfect. Hints for swimmers. Makes okay. sense. Water in lungs bad. That's one. Yep, makes sense. Okay. There's only one guy that can walk on water. He is a friend of mine. And I'd like to tell you about him right now. His name <laughs> is Iceman, and he can. <laughs> and number three, the, there isn't a dye in in the pool. There's not a chemical in the pool that turns oh, the color. Oh yeah, you know. Just saying. You know, you're like, right. It, I that, forgot about that, so like, that whole myth. Yeah. 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 Um, when you pee, so just go it ahead. doesn't change the color of the water. It does no. just make it warmer and just gets pee in the pool. Here's my, here's a bonus tip from, from, from me and bugs to you. If you are in a pool and it's a very small pool and there's a fire under it and someone is running around you cutting carrots and like vegetables into the pool and asking you to sort of baste yourself, you're in a soup. You need to get out of that. Absolutely. So yeah, that's 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 my final tip. So that is the television from nineteen television from nineteen thirty one hints for swimmers, and what we think probably happened in those fifteen minutes of that television program. There's a small group of people mm-hmm. that once a year partake of a ritual. Hmm. They sit in front of their of their uh, their devices. They bathe in the warm glow of like a 25-year-old sort of uh, artifact. And then they release their reflections and ideas and impressions to the world. And don't send ask for whom the space jams because it jams for thee. That is my recommendation. It is a show that is new, but fun thing, no matter when this comes out, there's only one episode, so go catch up. Absolutely. Full disclosure, I'm listening to the first episode tomorrow as we record this on February 17th, so I haven't actually listened to it yet, but I expect nothing but Jordan in the finals levels of podcasting entertainment, and you shouldn't expect any less either, and if you do experience less than that, uh, they are on uh, Spotify, which has ratings, and iTunes, and uh, Podchaser, and anywhere you want to express your disappointment, but you won't have it. It jams for thee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's going to do it for us for today's episode of Timeline Scavengers. I hope you've enjoyed all the sports-related things that happened today. Um, we had swimming, we had basketball, and we had Melinda May, who is basically a sport, a walking sport. So True. And a good sport. So that's going to do it for us for today. Uh, as always, I am James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. From downtown Excelsior. What is that that you were that you were holy guacamole we've got chips so come on take a dip because my pool rips it what is was that? a pool party for the cool kids at my school i have right? a, i have a guess i have a guess yeah. i have two guesses aquabats absolutely nice all right yeah my second guess was devo that was just because 1981 right. so yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, i'm gonna stop recording right, i'm gonna stop recording too the scavengers network creator driven Community-focused. Treasured content.